What's up, guys? I'm Alex. And I'm Corey. And we're challenging you to think about gaming in a different way. On this show, we'll talk about the games we love and why they're important. This is Super Thought Bros. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Super Thought Bros, the all-organic podcast. <laughs> all-organic. Free, oh. free range. <laughs> free range gaming. We're free range here. Today, we're doing something a little different. We're starting this new series called State of Gaming, in which we talk about the state of gaming today in America and in the world, and just the trends of you know, game, certain kinds of games come in and out, why that happens, or we talk about the gaming culture. Uh, today we're actually going to talk about the former. We're going to talk about 2D platformers specifically and indie developers. So Corey and I have a lot of games that we want to do episodes on, but finding time to play all of them individually and find <laughs> interesting things to say can, right, be, right. can be daunting at times. challenging. Yeah. So recently... We've actually found that we've both been doing a lot of 2D platformers. And that's interesting because there's a lot of really good 2D platformers totally. right now, especially in the past 5, 10 years. Yep. Um, as you guys know, we recently did an episode on Celeste. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Shameless plug. But we both just finished Ori in the Blind Forest. And, Corey, I, th- I think you'd like that game a lot, yeah? Oh, my gosh. I I was such a big fan. So let me let me make one thing clear. I think this game is immensely frustrating for a lot of reasons, <laughs> and, I, and I don't think it's perfect, but it's beautiful, and I have, and I really enjoyed it to the extent that my fiance, she is so adorable, she um, bought me a plush doll. I sent you the picture, uh, Alex. It's so sweet. Uh, it's a plush doll of uh, Naru, the mom, and um, Ori, the little, oh. the little creature that, that is your character in the game. I love that game. It has so much heart, um, and that's you know part of why the platforming genre is so much fun. Now, is it more or less frustrating than Celeste? Oh my god, that's so funny that you asked that because I was thinking about that as I was playing it, and she, and Josephine was next to me, my fiance, and she was like, "Oh well, like why are you so frustrated? Like you weren't as frustrated with Celeste." And I had to pause and think about why it was more frustrating than Celeste, and mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like Celeste is is more fair than okay. Ori was because in Ori you can um, you know there's abilities that you collect sure. and you can you can collect those abilities I think in in various ways because I had another friend that played it and we were talking about how we were going through the game there are definitely different routes that you can build especially because you have the ability tree so you can make those sure. choices so I think for that reason there there are just like more ideal ways to build your character mm-hmm. and there are less ideal ways whereas Celeste is kind of straightforward like, you have your like, abilities from is... the beginning with Celeste and totally aside from for aside from a double part, jump right. right aside from the double jump which you you know spoiler alert you don't get to the end so I felt like Celeste is actually more fair but maybe more challenging uh, I think I'd agree with that yeah I think I'd agree I feel like in, in Celeste I feel like in Celeste, you always know what you need to do and how to get it, and you can see it, even though it's really hard. And sometimes, or you're like, uh, where where am I going? I don't quite know. You're like checking the yeah, map. And exactly. Stuff. Anyways, as, as you can tell, there's a lot of good 2D platformers out right now. And we kind of thought to ourselves, why are there so many of these games out right now? You know, from a technological standpoint, 2D platformers should be dead. 
And really, and really, they did die. I mean, there was sort of a rise. There was a rise and a fall, and and now we're in like the the third, the, 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 rena- the rise, Renaissance. You know? Yeah, and I'm going to talk yes. about that. But you know, 2D platformers compared to games these days that have are complex, fast gameplay, open worlds. 2D platformers seem very 1980s, but. Uh, 2D platformers have been deemed successes of late, both by critics and fans alike. And platformers have obviously been around forever. You know, Mario's doing okay, I suppose. And then other series like (laughs) Kirby and Yoshi and Donkey Kong have always been constants. But of late, people have been going nuts over these uh, non-AAA studio titles like Super Meat Boy, Hollow Knight, Shovel Knight, and Shantae. And these indie studios, indie meaning just studios that are not owned by the big wigs like Sony and Microsoft, they've been right. having a lot of success. And these smaller gaming companies are churning out games that in a lot of cases feel superior to their big I game. I mean, not only that, you know, the success of them is uh, maybe understated. Do you do you know what the best-selling game of all time is? I don't. Any game, any genre? Oh, gosh, no, I don't know. It's Minecraft. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Which 100% started off as a indie game until Microsoft purchased them three years later. But that's insane. I mean, that game is at its core, if you've ever played it, and I've played very little Mm -hmm. of that game, I'm really not Not a a builder person. But it's really an indie game at heart. So you're right. I mean, this genre has just sort of. Re- like as you, like you said, renaissanced yeah. into something new. So yeah, so let's let's take a closer look at two D slash three D platforms throughout the years and then developers and where they fit in. So a platformer. What is a platformer for our non gamer audience? In plainest terms, a platformer is getting from point A to point B with a series of obstacles and enemies in your way. That is a direct quote from Alex Pracken's Dictionary of Gaming. 2D platformers were very popular in the 80s and early 90s. We had Castlevania, Metroid, Mario, Sonic. Those were all very, very popular back then. And I feel like there's two major versions of 2D platformers. Version A is getting from point A to point B with minimal exploration, like Mario, Sonic, Celeste. And then there's more or less open-ish 2D worlds that you can transverse where you can kind of choose where to go and there's power-ups that help your character access new areas like, you know, Ori and Metroid and Castlevania, hence the term Metroidvania that we use these days. So now that we know what they are and when they were popular, we can look at in the 90s and the 2000s kind of, I feel like, 2D platformers kind of disappeared. You know, the major ones were still kicking around, Donkey Kong and Kirby and others were still doing their... their thing but there were far less of them than there were 10 years ago and i think that's because of technology in the mid 1990s you know that was a time when the playstation 1 and the n64 were coming out and it was finally time for gaming to take the leap into the third dimension and to me this kind of felt like what gaming was always supposed to be except now we could actually do it controlling a character in a 3d space and having them run around and jump on things And there were tons of new, amazing IPs that jumped into the scene for the 3D platforming genre, like Banjo-Kazooie, Crash Bandicoot, Croc, and Spyro. And, you know, there were were 3D platformers for everything. Um, Everyone wanted to get in. There was a 3D uh, Pac-Man game. There was a 3D Toy Story game. And 
there were a lot of series that were trying to make the switch from 2D to 3D. Mario made the switch seamlessly, you know. It really became one of the, probably the, the major successes of that switch because before Mario 64, like, we had, you know, PlayStation, but we, we, we weren't really 64-bit yet. And that, that took it to a new height. I remember seeing that for the first time, and Ugh. that was just it like I, my brain was struggling because it was so cool and so real i want to i want to touch on this now and i want to come back to it later but super mario 64 was my first game so i never grew up in the area the era of 2d gaming and i feel like yeah. you actually have a little bit more experience with that than i do Corey. so you can probably elaborate a little bit more on what it was yeah, like, I mean, like to make that job yeah you kind of you nailed it on the head too because Part of this whole thing is like the availability of technology. So, 2D platformers obviously easier to make easier to make games that way in the 80s and 90s. And I remember playing those games, and and like that was all you knew a video game could be at mm-hmm. the time. Obviously, I was really young, so I didn't really question it. Um, but once you saw, and we'll use Mario 64 as an example, like that type of video game, it really opened the genre up, yeah. and then it kind of created this culture of like oh my God, we can just m- keep making this look better and better and better. And that's that's what the ca- like the gaming world really fell in love mm-hmm. with, was trying to make everything look better. But at its heart, gaming, like video gaming, was, was very much side-scrolling uh, 2D platformers. Yeah. That's what most of the popular titles that are, even exist now, that's where they that came from. Puzzle games, I suppose. Pu- yeah, yeah, Tetris was there. Um, which I guess in some weird way is its own platform. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> so there were a lot of these games that were trying to make this jump from 2D to 3D, and obviously Mario was super successful. But I want to look at some games that weren't successful, and I honestly think that some of these games that failed to jump from 2D to 3D for whatever reason are actually part of the reason of why we have more 2D platformers today. First one I want to talk oh. about is Donkey Kong. Uh, Donkey Kong, you know... Are you about to tell me Donkey Kong Country or Donkey Kong 64 failed? Hold on. (laughs) I love... (laughs) I am so triggered. I love... I'm going to preface this with saying I love Donkey Kong 64. But... He's the leader of the Oh my god, the DK rap. You know him well. He's finally back to kick some tail. Yeah, we could do the whole thing. Donkey Kong... Country series considered to be one of the best 2D platforming series oh, ever. So good. Yeah, so good. I played. I played it on on my Game Boy Advance. Um, but when Nintendo 64 rolled around, Nintendo decided they wanted to bring Donkey Kong into the 3D world after the success of Mario. So they gave the Donkey Kong IP to this company called Rare, which had just done Banjo Kazooie, which to this day is you know considered by a lot of people to be one of the best 3D platformers of all time. Also very good. Yeah, it's it's okay. But a lot of people feel like Rare missed the mark with uh, Donkey Kong 64. Like I said, I personally love the game, but a lot of people just really viewed it as an over-redundant collect-a-thon because Oof. there were five different Kongs that you could control, and each Kong had bananas, coins... Uh, smaller bananas that you could pick up and you could only pick them up with that Kong. So there was a lot of backtracking and being like, oh, I can't pick this up with this Kong right now. I need to go back to the barrel and get this other thing. Right. I, I, I mean, I love the game, but a lot of people 
just did not feel like it hit the mark in the same way. So the game kind of swung and missed and Nintendo sent Donkey Kong back to the 2D world. And it's been there ever since. And, you know, we had, we had a, oh gosh, Jungle Beat. Did you ever play that game, Corey, with the drums? I had those bongos. You bet your ass I did. (laughs) So we went there for a little bit and then we transitioned to the Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze series, which is where we live now. And I've personally never played them, but everyone says that Tropical Freeze is like one of the best modern Tropical 2D. Freeze might might be in the top two. Yeah, might, might, of, of might like be. modern two D platformers. Um, it's really good. I know. Yeah, yeah I've heard I, it's. I've it, heard it's really great. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it's inventive, but if we're gonna take that formula and master it, it's about as good as you can get. Gotcha. So there's example number one of two D trying to transition to three D, and it's just kind of not working. So they went back to two D. Next series I want to talk about, get ready, is, is Sonic. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy. So I started off playing Sonic in 2D on my Game Boy, and I, I love the games. Uh, the whole gimmick of Sonic is that you're going really freaking fast, and that was really exciting, even if I didn't know I was about to like plummet into a pile of spikes, you know. Oh, rings everywhere. Rings, it's sprawling everywhere. And, and I, I actually don't know how familiar you are with the Sonic series, Corey, so feel free to chime in when you want to. But I've played a yeah. pretty good chunk of them. So Sonic made the transition to 3D with Sonic Adventure. And then it had a sequel, Sonic Adventure 2, which I mm-hmm. played on the GameCube later on. Yeah. Looking back at it, I knew the games were flawed. You know, they were a little glitchy. They The plot was like, eh, I don't know about this. But th- they were fun. Like, the Sonic levels were really fun. There were some unnecessary padding with specifically god love him big the cat <laughs> when you oh, had to go big fishing i love big the cat he's a great ah, character but the fishing world is so weird the fishing missions oh god and and it's like weird the sonic 2 treasure sections with knuckles and rouge were uh, i don't know they didn't do much for me but i loved the sonic and the shadow levels those were really fun yeah i uh, man that game is I, it's actually funny that you brought those two games up because those are kind of opposites in terms of like so Donkey Kong might if you're going with most people's opinion mm-hmm. you you'll hear people say like Donkey Kong as a franchise wasn't the same once it went 3D and people are much more in love with the platforming Donkey Kong mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a complete opposite with Sonic like I think Sonic Adventure is one of the best games of all time really the, the original one I think yes. I think Sonic Adventure for Dreamcast. I is look. I I phenomenal. love Sonic Adventure. And I, I would. I personally it. would rather play that than like the original Sonics. Like maybe someone would skewer me for that. But I, well, last thing I want to say about those two games. Holy shit! The yeah. music. Love. Oh. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Live and learn. Open your heart. Yep. Like. Yep. Classics. Okay. After those two games, which I think were they were glitchy, but they were good. Mm-hmm. Things kind of went downhill. Because next oh game God. was Sonic Heroes, which I was... I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, it was, I, I, it was, I don't even know. It was fine. It was fine. But then we got... We started getting into games like Shadow the Hedgehog. And then <sighs> we hit Sonic 06 and Sonic yep. Boom Rise of Lyric. And they were... You literally sound like you're making up titles. They were... They, <laughs> yeah, I know. But they were, they were just bad. They were bad games. They were yeah. gross, glitchy messes of games. Stupid, nonsensical plots. And... 
it just made me really sad that the series had like kind of gone off the deep end. It just it just yeah. felt like the games were created severely understaffed. They should have had another year or two to develop, but they were line they were rushed out to line up it with It was sort of a desperate feeling. Yeah, with whatever they they were rushed out. Yeah. And after Rise of Lyric, the the games got a little bit better. Like Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations are are better. But the series never really seemed to fully regain the glory that it used to have. So flash forward to just a couple years ago, there's this guy named Christian Whitehead who comes along. And he's been working on porting some older 2D Sonic games to some newer consoles. But he also had this side project. And he brought this side project to the main Sonic team, and they gave it the green light. And that game became Sonic Mania. So Sonic Mania, if you don't know, is this quote-unquote, return to glory for the Sonic franchise by returning it to its roots. Just fast 2D platforming in the style of the original game. Same art animation, same everything, but different levels that are inspired by the original. And people were so happy with this game. And I feel like the Sonic team for years was trying to do new things and new things and everyone was just kind of like yo y'all like keep it simple just don't give us give us the 2d stuff give us the adventure games that we liked and they just kept on trying to throw on these half-baked 3d sonic games in people's faces with all these weird new concepts like don't even get me started with the werehog in sonic unleashed yeah crap and people just wanted the og sonic isn't that kind of the funny duality though with the gaming community is like maybe it's the same as like the film community like star star wars comes to mind like we want a sequel and we want it to be new and exciting but also we want it to be exactly what we expect franchises like sonic have suffered from that because like how do you satisfy that you know well it's hard and i think they actually have done a good job in sonic generations of giving us some 2d some 3d and none of this extra fluff with big the cat and another you know big problem with sonic 3d is that he's running so fast that there's so much extra production that has to go into every single level you know 30 seconds in a sonic level is the equivalent to the entire world in say like a smaller mario (laughs) level so there's so much extra work to be done on the developmental side which is why so many of the games are glitchy and sonic has gotten this bad name because of just what it is it takes so much extra work and i feel like they're trying they're trying to push out those games so fast so there's an example of a series that went from 2d to 3d had some success in 3d went back to 2d and seems to be back in that world now like there's some some games that just are meant to be in that world yeah last example i want to talk about is actually the other way around so banjo and kazooie remember them their development company rare was bought by microsoft which is xbox in the early 2000s and banjo and kazooie never saw the light of day again on on a nintendo console until smash and the only other appearance that banjo and kazooie had was nuts and bolts which i believe was in the early 2000s which I, I never played, but it did not look like the Banjo and it, Kazooie it, that people you wanted. You didn't miss much. So, a couple of years ago, the original team behind Banjo and Kazooie created a new studio called Platonic, with the intention of creating a brand new 3D platformer to be the spiritual successor to Banjo and Kazooie. And they called this game Ukulele. Fans were super thrilled about this project, and they donated a lot of money to help Platonic create the best game that they could. And 
I played ukulele, and the game was fine. It was fine. I mean, did you play it, Corey? I didn't. I remember seeing it, though. I was curious. It was fun. I liked it. It ju- it just... <sighs> it just wasn't Banjo-Kazooie. And you wanted Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it didn't quite have the same charm. And I, I never finished the game. And fans were kind of let down by the game as yeah, well. It, it's a good game. It's not bad. It's not bad. It just, like, wasn't... Yeah, but nowadays a game has to be, like... It has to be great for me to even be like, oh, I'm going to finish this. Like, let's be honest. There's so many games. If I... We have so many games on our list. If I'm playing a game and it's not great, I'm putting the game down. So, Platonic went back to the drawing board with Ukulele. And last year, in 2019, uh, they released the sequel, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. But this time, the game was almost exclusively a 2D platformer with a couple of sections being top-down view. And this game was so well-received. Oh, People cool. loved it. It got fantastic reviews. And yeah, it wasn't Banjo-Kazooie that everyone wanted, but it had that same spirit and it was took into a 2D package. So this kind of brings me to a question that I want to ask you, Corey. Is 3D platforming dead? I mean, we don't have that many these days. Mario is still going strong. You know, Mario Odyssey... The Mario Galaxy yeah. games, they're all great. I mean, to that point, yeah, to that point, you'll always see Nintendo do their thing. Yeah, and, and like the only other major 3D platformer games that we've gotten in the past few years are Super Lucky's Tale, A Hat in Time, and the remasters of Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon, yeah. which aren't really like open, open worlds. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of the other 3D platforming IPs that used to exist in the early 2000s, like Sly, like Sly Cooper, Ratchet & Clank, mm-hmm. Prince of Persia, they're just not around anymore. Yeah. So do you think 3D platforming is kind of not a thing anymore, I mean, Corey? it's hard for me to say anything's dead for sure because we've seen stuff come back. But there there does seem to be some evidence that maybe that that is a niche genre that there isn't as much of an audience for because... You think about people that want to play a 3D game and you have kind of like your first, you have your role-playing people who, uh, you know, play your Final Fantasies and, and that. And then you have mm-hmm. your first-person shooters people that's kind of more your casual audience. Um, but what I think the 3D platforming audience grew up to be was is the is the action-adventure audience. Yeah. So you have like, like the Zelda people. Zelda, Uncharted, God of War. Mm-hmm. These games that are like... At, at the heart, they're they're sort of platformers, right? Because yeah. you there's a lot of like linear qualities to them. I would just say the difference between those games, like for example, when I'm comparing like a Odyssey, yeah, the emphasis is more on exploring and less on combat, and on right, the action right. adventure games. You know, Mario Mario's combat is you jump on a guy sure, and you're dead. Sure. Yeah, I don't Much know. I, I I struggle to say that there's a, a a reason for that genre to be brought to life more because there are very clear reasons as to why the 2d 2d platformer is coming back so let's talk about that yeah. now what are, what are some of your reasons I mean, Corey? so look at the heart of it people that like the big markets that make games they're very smart they know what they're doing they know how to sell a game the people that grew up playing platformers so my generation our generation mm-hmm. really are kind of always searching for that nostalgia and i think being able to make a platformer that reminds you of the games you used to play but it has a hint of nuance and it's mm-hmm. creative and all these things like like these new games i think there's that's a special niche that it fills because to us those were the original games yeah and i was that's a truly like my first note on this nostalgia we're in a really heavy age of nostalgia oh my right god now. yeah 
Think about all the IPs coming back. Mega Man, Rayman. Pokemon. We hadn't seen them. Pokemon, yeah, we hadn't seen them in, well, we, Pokemon we'd seen, obviously, a lot. But Pokemon's always been here. But it's but it's bigger now than it ever has but been. But Pokemon's a really good example because I, I'm really, I have a very strong opinion that I actually don't think Pokemon is the best game in its genre. Pokemon no. just became bigger than it was ever meant to. And yeah. it's the brand. It's the brand of that style of game. But Pokemon has um, immense sticking power because of its nostalgia. People our age, like us, we all play it. Yeah, of course. And and I think I, I might have talked about this in a previous episode, or maybe I've mentioned it to you before. But I think we're in a heavy age of nostalgia, partially because of the Switch, because of the Nintendo Switch. I feel like the Switch has brought back an entire generation of gamers that had not been around for a long time. I think with titles like Breath of the Wild and with Odyssey yeah. and with all these series that are being reignited on the Switch that we haven't seen in ages. We have a Metroid Prime coming out soon. Well, maybe not soon, sure. but it's coming and we haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. We're having a lot of series that are coming back to their roots and bringing in a lot of gamers that are like, oh my god, I remember playing Ocarina of Time yeah. on my 64 and yeah. this looks like it. It looks like I mean, what I want. I, I think to, to your point, I think the Switch has mastered that, but I actually think mm -hmm. it started with the Virtual Console on the Nintendo Wii. Yes, Because when, when Virtual true. Console debuted, that was really the first, because like before that you could get emulators on your computer mm -hmm. or you could have the original hardware. Those were your options if you wanted to play those games. But there wasn't an option to play it on a modern console, and Correct. and you couldn't stream yeah, those games right, right, right. either. Uh, and and now for for virtual console to take off, and then for the Switch to say, okay, let's take all of those games on all of, or many of those platforms, and let's just make them part of our service. It's kind of yeah. like the you know the the holy grail of this modernism we have with video games, right? Sure. Where everything's and, subscription based. And well, yes, and now we have newer younger people who are like you know new pokemon fans who have nintendo online do you think those people play those games i, I don't know about this i'm, like, I'm you curious think if you were if you were if you were a high schooler right now and you have a switch and you're playing all your games like do you do you even go to the nes games and play them or i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest having not played a lot of like the nes games it's difficult sure. for me to go back to a lot of them yeah just because there's... what about snes like is there a difference for you or no not terribly, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've gone, I've gone back and like played Link Between Worlds, or sorry, yeah. Link Between. Yeah, wait, Link to the Past. Yeah, Link to the Past. I've gone back and played that and a couple of select others, but I don't. I'm, I'm curious. I feel like maybe there's a select few that will go back who are interested in the journey of gaming and play those games. But I people don't that are know a little if... bit, to be honest, people that are a little bit older than us, like, like my my brother's six years older like he his oh, he nostalgia that. was was that whereas yeah. like you and i are really like n64 was probably when we were like really getting crazy about yeah. it oh my gosh if they bring if they bring n64 to the online subscription they, i'm they I'm, better I'm gone. right they, i think it's gonna happen this year i think it is I, i'm crossing my fingers eye. you gotta bring golden eye so looping back now a little bit to indie developers Indie developers obviously don't have as much money as their AAA counterparts, but they can still create things that sometimes feel more cohesive. And, hmm. you know, 2D platforming, as I said, or as we talked about earlier, is 
a less complicated genre than 3D. You know, you, there's so much less work to be done. The worlds are smaller. You only have to worry about two dimensions of your character. So it's perfect for indie developers. Yeah. With new technology, I feel like bigger gaming companies are just trying to prove how far they can push their engine and impress yeah. us with their graphics. And that can sometimes come at the expense of the gameplay and meaningful story impact. And I feel like indie developers, a lot of the time, there's 10 of them. They're all sitting in the same room. They're working on the same project. Whereas AAA mm-hmm. games, there's someone in the US who's working on a game. They go to bed and someone wakes up in Japan and is working on that same thing. So it's not sure. as cohesive of a thing. Well, I mean, even deeper than that, it's not even just the cohesion. It's, man, at the heart of it, like the indie developers don't really have to answer to anyone. And I feel like when you take anything creative, um, and you take away the boundary and restraint from it, you really give it the, the opportunity to, to thrive. Yeah. There's, there's no one to, there's no audience to upset if your indie game doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. You know what I mean? Sure. And, you know, Nintendo has been, been a big part of pushing indie developers. You know, they have a Nintendo focused indie direct every few months because the Switch is mm-hmm. perfect for indie games, obviously. It really is. Um, and Reggie Fizeme, who's the former president of Nintendo Reggie. of America, yeah, we love Reggie. He made a speech at the Game Awards this past year, saying that he believes that indie developers are the future of gaming, and that bigger companies should be giving them every opportunity to group, every opportunity to grow and create what they want to create and expand their reach by giving them a platform to play their games on, which is exactly what uh, the Switch has done. I mean, to me, it's like <laughs> you have this thing that. People like you have these mega companies that make your Call of Duties and your Halos and such. And not to say these people like I don't want to take credit away from those companies because they really do, in my opinion, still make very artistic things. I'm I'm not knocking AAA games at all. Right, right. There's plenty of AAA games that are phenomenal, but I just feel like sometimes they overcomplicate things. Well, I mean, like. Like, look at AAA games are Walmart, and and indie indie games are the little the local market across store, the yeah. street, right? And there's something about that that's so charming and comes from such a real place that like I want to support that, mm-hmm. not just on like a ooh like help the help the little man type level, but really on sure. like a this is the heart of the craft and this is someone's vision for it, and they they've put all this time and effort into expressing that. That's mm-hmm. just an art piece to me. I have one more question for you, Corey. Oh, here it goes. So Super Mario Maker. It's a Ooh. 2D it's a 2D platformer where you can create your own stages. Is that the beginning of the end of 2D platformers oh or is it the last 2D platformer that Mario will ever get? I I don't know how many of these Mario Makers they can make, which sounds like the beginning of a riddle. But I I am tempted to say that both can exist. I don't know. It, I can't imagine a world where we're not coming back to platforming. In sure. Its, in I, its, in I, it or Mario. And it's it, somebody is going to say, this is Super Mario World 4. Here it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's going right. to happen. But I just, you know, Super Mario Maker 2, which came out last year, it has, you know, you can create all your own stuff, but it also has a story mode where they give you, you know, all of the, like, Nintendo-created worlds that you could ask for. Yeah. So I, I don't know if i see them going back to a mario game that doesn't have that is a 2d mario game that doesn't have a creation feature uh here's my prediction this is my psychic psychic core i'm ready i'm here. ready for 2020 predictions 20 uh the year is 2022 okay 
and um, Nintendo announces that for the Switch 2, it will be releasing Super Mario World Retro. Okay. It will be 16-bit, just like Super Mario World was, but they will have it'll be a completely new game, sort of like the Sonic people people did. Uh huh. Because people will, there's a market for that. People yeah. People will play that. And if Nintendo signs off on it, it'll happen. Support support your indie gaming developers, for God's sake. So many good <laughs> games out there. So many good games out there. So many. Um, yeah, go go play all those games, y'all. There's, there's a what's lot of that, good What's ones. the next one on your list? Because you said Shovel Knight, and I haven't played that, but I want to play. Sh- Have you played um, Super Hot? Do you know about this game, no, Super I don't. Hot? Oh, my God. So weird. So I played it in a VR studio mm-hmm. with a bud. So it's it's almost impossible to describe it. It is an indie game. It's first person. It's it's a puzzle first person. Hmm. And in each situation, if you move, because it is a VR game, mm-hmm. if you move yourself, your character starts to move hmm. and the world starts to move. But if you pause, everything pauses. Huh. So the puzzles are all based on your movement, but you have to be figuring them out as you move. Interesting. If that makes sense, yeah, because they cool. keep working. That is a cool game. If you have yet to check that out, and you're the least interested in VR stuff, that one I've actually really enjoyed. Nice. The games that are indies that are on my list are What Remains of Edith Finch, Undertale, Gone Home. Undertale. Oh, Gone Home. Gone Home is is actually really interesting. So really Gone Home could could potentially be the least activity you will ever do in a game yeah i mean it's it's like you're it's walking a, it's through a, a cutscene, a deserted yeah, house it's, yeah it's a cutscene. but i was so i was so engrossed in it i was sold great and the last it's one so cool. the last one i have is this war of mine okay i think that's it i think that's it too that was fun yeah Let's All do right. it again. Let's do it again. We'll do another one <laughs> next week or the week yeah, after. Yeah, we'll be back out. With, we'll be back with the series of uh, the Stega game, and we have some other things to talk about. For sure, uh, you can catch us on Twitch. Are you going to stream soon, Corey? Oh my God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, I, I must. I must. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. This has been Alex and Corey. Yep. See you guys. Bye.